Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Murrin. Uh, you know me from the previous minutes. I did Point Break Minute and The Cast and the Furious. Uh, and uh, Yeah, I'm here. Let's do it. I'm with my dad again, Bob Keckley. How's it going? Going real well. I'm looking forward to this. Excellent. Yeah, so this minute is minute, uh, I think we're calling it 68. Um, and this minute is interesting. Uh, there's no dialogue the whole minute uh, and not a lot of specific action, so to speak. Uh, this minute starts with Fred trying to get into his wife's apartment again. He rings the buzzer uh, and... Uh, I guess he never, he thinks about trying the door, but he just assumes it'll be locked. I, I guess here's the question. Uh, he, okay, this, this minute does ask a question, I think, something I'm not totally sure of. Uh, is he actually baffled by this door system or does he just not want to go in? That's a good question. Uh, there is um, a tradition of apartment houses uh, locking the outside door. Yeah. So that you can only get, it's a security system. And that does make sense. And they still have that. And yes. that, certainly that was in place then. But why one would be unlocked while another might be locked, uh, you know, that, that might be just uh, a policy uh, put in place by the uh, superintendent or something so yeah so we'll, we'll just say this the end of this minute it doesn't quite get to this but we're just going to include it for ease of conversation uh he's about uh, fred is about to just walk over to peggy who's waiting in the car to make sure he gets in uh he's going to say something to her we, we never know what he would have done because uh someone just walks through the door without buzzing or anything so it was just unlocked the whole time and I think we we never see him actually push on the door. So he just assume I think he just assumes it'll be locked. Right, and there, I, there's probably some reason to assume that. On the other hand, when I first saw this scene and he acts so embarrassed about not knowing that it was locked, unlocked, uh, I thought, well, okay, that's supposed to so, show us that he's out of step with the way society works because he's been gone a long time and maybe people aren't locking those doors anymore, or, or maybe they are. It, it may depend on the community or something. So yeah. I'm a little confused. And maybe he was, he was a little confused too. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but I, yeah, I just can't shake, especially with where the movie goes, I can't shake the idea that he's not totally, uh, he doesn't totally want to go in. He'd rather, yeah, well, I think he'd rather keep true. spending time and, with Peggy. Yeah, and from the director's point of view, it was certainly a way to extend the scene and make a little bit more of the relationship between yeah. Fred and Peggy. This, this minute is mostly them just sharing looks. Uh, yeah. And he, he tries the buzzer, he goes over to the door, he's like, no, the buzzer, he tries it again, and she looks concerned. Uh, and they both really would rather not do this uh, and just keep hanging out. Um, you can imagine, uh, you know, a pair of high school students doing this same scene, and he hoping that he can't get in so we can go get back in the car. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, yeah. it's almost like... Um, yeah, that's, that's the vibe I get. Yeah, yeah. It, and it just reminds me of um, people that are almost in love, uh, 
that are, you know, acting uh, as adolescents almost. It, it's just like this unspoken stuff uh, and, you know, all the, all the clues, all the unsaid clues about how they feel about each other. I think you can see all, uh, a lot of those in this scene as they just look at each other and he's hoping that he can get back in the car. She's wondering whether she would like that to happen. I think yeah. you, can, you can read all that in there. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a fun thing to look at. Yeah, it, it's fun. It, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it makes the most, it, it does develop their relationship. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. You could show him as being out of step. He never, yeah, I'm watching it now. He never quite pushes on the door. I, I feel like even though most time, most of the time that door would be locked. We know from watching Seinfeld or having lived in a place like that yourself, you know, you know that that door is going to be locked nine times out of 10. Yeah, it's, um, you're supposed to buzz in. And, and I, I don't know if they do things in Boone City, but uh, most places you lock the door and there's a reason that they have those buzzers so that it's for security because they don't want anyone to just be able to walk in. Right. Um, but he, I, I feel like even, even if I'm trying to get in, if I'm trying to get into a place like that, I'm going to try the door just in case. Yeah, especially if you don't get an answer. If I don't get an answer, maybe, maybe it's unlocked. Sometimes they are. And then in that case, then, or, or, uh, yeah. So. There's also been situations I've seen where they, uh, some, somebody else unlocks it and you can get in because they got in. Yeah. Which is, which is what ends up happening. Well, in this case, I don't think the guy who went in had to use a key. No, that's true. It's, it is. Yeah. It's different. It's more that he realizes it was unlocked the whole time because right. someone just opens the door without using the key. Right. And then he looks at Peggy very sheepishly. Yeah. He's like, like he's, Oh, he's been so foolish not to know that, but yeah, that it's just part of uh, the, the developing of their relationship that he would be so embarrassed in front of this, this uh, lady that he has a thing for. And then of course the backstory behind all of that is that they both know that he's married. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's just this uh uh has a lot to it uh, behind it while they're, they're yeah. developing these feelings i i was actually I was wrong i was just watching the minute uh the guy does go in the, go through the door just at the very end so we're actually fine um yeah. but we don't we just don't see fred go in yet uh, yeah that do we see his sheepish expression on we his... see the beginning of his sheepish expression <laughs> he he does a nice he's i think he's kind of charming in this minute and he does a nice job there's a couple of looks he gives her that are kind of funny like he's like oh brother you know what what a situation this is and then yeah that that one after the guy opens the door he's like oh wow what look at that you know yeah it's, right. uh, it's nice it's it's nice um I don't know. Have you ever, have you ever lit an apartment with a, a, a buzzer? Uh, I think I did when I was in college, maybe. Uh, it's hard to remember. Uh, yeah. I think, Would have been uh, when you were pretty young. It was either, a while. I did live in an apartment house and I, th- no, I don't think they had a key to that one. So it, it just may depend on the neighborhood or what city you're in. Uh, you know, what part of the city, things like yeah. that could make a big difference. Yeah. I, I never have. Uh, I've generally lived in smaller apart, apartment buildings. I never lived in a, a high rise. It's usually like a high rise with actually at least a couple of floors that you would have a buzzer system. And I've always lived in places where either I had my own key to the front door 
or uh, it was set up so that there wasn't a front door. It was just, uh, you know, each individual place had its own outside door. Yeah, uh, some of the other, some places will have a front door that's locked only after hours. And then that's the only true. way to get in is uh, with your key uh, or buzzing. It, it might or be buzzing. someone at a front desk or a door person uh, that might make sure everything's okay during the day. Yeah. That's yeah. More, that's pretty old fashioned now, but in those days there might've been one. Right. So, uh, yeah, the, he, he finally figures out the, uh, the door puzzle at the end of this minute. And that's the end of that, uh, that whole narrative. Um, we, we've, uh, in between the last episode and this one, we figured out, uh, there was something, something, uh, familiar about one of the movies, uh, Dana Andrews had been in zero hour with an exclamation point. Right. Where he which plays. In, uh, and in fact, in this movie that we're talking about, he has PS, uh, you know, post-traumatic yeah. stress syndrome uh, from being in an airplane. He wasn't the pilot. He was the bombardier. But in zero hour, he plays a pilot, uh, ex-pilot ex from World War II Lieutenant also. Ted Stryker. Yeah, with a PSCD. So uh, he's... Um, uh, in a way, a similar role, you know, he's, uh, uh, he's taking on some of the same aspects, uh, having bad dreams and all that. Yeah. Kind of stuff. So, One thing leads to another. And there's something you, you pointed out to me that that movie, or at least that character was an influence to airplane. Well, in fact, the whole movie, yeah, the whole movie, the whole movie was they, kind they, of, they took all the main characters and the plot and, okay. and, and made a parody out of it. They borrowed some things from some other airplane movies too, but basically it's a parody of Zero Hour, uh, which was uh, 1957. And one of the movies that Dana Andrews is best known for. Uh, Robert Hayes, of course, took the role in the parody in 1980. Um, uh, oh, and uh, actually I did look this up. The, uh, the 1957 film uh, with Dana Andrews was based on a teleplay uh, of a similar name. Uh, the, the both, both screenplays were written by Arthur Haley. The teleplay was uh, put on Canadian television and starred James Doohan. Oh, interesting. <laughs> from Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek Scotty. Fame. Yeah, Scotty. So I thought that was interesting. And then, of course, uh, I made the connection that there was a sequel to the movie the eight, uh, 1980 movie Airplane. Uh, I don't remember what it was called, maybe Airplane 2 or something, but it starred William Shatner. Oh. Also from wow. Star Trek. So Ex well, these little, yeah, it's kind of- Well uh, done, well done. It's kind of a small Hollywood world, isn't it? <laughs> now, people in previous minutes, I, I haven't, you know, obviously I haven't had the privilege of listening to the previous hosts of this, this podcast on previous episodes. They may have brought this up, but I, I don't know if, I'd be surprised if they got to that point of, of the, the research. So oh, okay. well done, well done. <laughs> to the, to, got to James Doohan and then William Shatner, the connections yeah. there. Right, right. Yeah, kind of, I'm curious to watch that now. It'd be yeah. fun to see, see Zero Hour and Airplane right. back right. to back. Yeah, and I do kind of remember the sequel to Airplane. It was more of a spaceship situation, as you would think for William Shatner. So he was, you know, uh, 
was it was it like a sequel plot wise or was it just like the same pe- you know the same people coming back and doing a parody no it was not the same people i don't think uh, oh. although i think there were a couple of people that came back but it was mostly a, a new situation but with similar slapstick uh, okay you know where i don't know they were there it was a space exploration deal but uh with the same thing kind of going wrong with uh Mm -hmm. Uh, and and lots of slapstick humor so great all right well i anything else you wanted to say about this minute of uh of dana andrews and Teresa wright looking at each other uh no i guess not it it really is that's what it's about you know more than anything we've kind of talked talked all around it even in previous minutes how they're slowly developing this relationship and that's all this really is right you Uh, know for later uh struck with me i i mean isn't this moment, uh, this uh, minute, but later when she's in the thick of it uh, mm-hmm. about this situation, she uh, is confronted by her parents. Uh, and I, I thought it's a wonderful scene where yeah. uh, she is uh, just in tears about this and they're saying, they're trying to give her advice. And she says, what right have you to give me advice? You don't seem like you're in love anymore. You know, what do you know yeah, about it? That is a really good scene. Yeah, it's and Frederick March and Myrna Loy are, are very good and that you get to see them sort of as parents of this, yeah. this woman who, and it's like, it's, they're treating her as she, you know, you're still young. We, we still have things to teach you. And, and uh, that's, that's really well done, yeah. Yeah, and in a way it's, uh, you know, not only do they have something to teach her, but uh, they actually become extremely honest mm-hmm. for a moment where, uh, I think Myrna Lois says, uh, how many times have I told him I hate him and really meant it mm-hmm. and then had to make it up and, you know, come back, you know. So it's, there's some truthfulness about the relationship, which uh, was very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. It gets really, yeah, this movie, like, it's, it probably paved a lot of, of way for, you know, especially in the 50s when they get into more kitchen sink dramas sort of doing that very realistic conversational cinema. And then there are moments yeah. when it veers away from that and it gets a little more Hollywood, you know, flashy, but it, it, it goes, it has a, a nice balance, I think. Yeah, I agree. I was just reminded. Yeah, I, because, I, oh, go okay. ahead. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in a completely different direction. So go ahead. Oh, uh, I'm just gonna say that in in general, the film seems to be uh, well directed in that sense. Yeah, we talked about William Wyler. It seems like an actor's kind of director. He's interested in the performances, and especially with what he. We actually don't get any any moments with. uh, I was gonna say Harold Lloyd. It's Harold Russell. Uh, Harold Russell. We don't get any moments with him, but we've talked about him and how you know. Taking, having a director take that on, having someone who's never been on camera before or has never acted and, and get that performance out of them. Someone who's definitely interested in, in, uh, in exploring acting, exploring dramatic tension in scenes. Yeah, and not just, uh, not just dramatic tension, I think, uh, you know, complexities mm-hmm. of what people are thinking and meaning by what they do. Uh, yeah. I think we see that in this minute. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. he, there's a there's a whole thing going on between them, which is complicated. Because yeah, it, it is a it is married. a complicated uh, 
it's a complicated situation and without have, without any words so you just see the looks between them and it's it's hard to sort of it's it's difficult to describe you know it just becomes us like describing what they're doing and it's it's kind of it can be difficult to sort of discuss in in a certain way like how the scene works but yeah there's there is definitely uh, a whole th there's a whole of you know conversation between them just with looks right and because of the because of their already developed backstory I mean, we have enough mm -hmm. of, yeah. of uh, mostly him, uh, but still she knows he's married. He knows he's married. He's not sure how he, you know, all that's already she's, in there. She's seen his nightmare uh, flashback. Right, uh, all that's in there. So she's a nurse who's, that yeah, makes so. it, uh, you know, the complexities of what's going through their minds. And I think they, you know, express that through their embarrassment, through their, questioning where all the facial looks uh, is pretty good. And, you know, yeah. we, in our, in the last minute, was it the last minute? I think we had the same situation with the other couple uh, going yeah. through the same kind of, well, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here, but it's all about where, she, what she does with the flowers or what, you know, mm -hmm. whether she puts the tray on the bed or what, you know, so it's all these little extra things that the director puts in to give them uh, a way to express their backstory without words or with very few words. So yeah, okay. it's well done. I was just going to say as one, one last bit before we close out this episode, um, I was just talking apartments and I, it always just reminds me of Seinfeld because there's in every episode of Seinfeld, he has to buzz people into his apartment. Right. Uh, I, I was, I've been watching Miami Vice, the TV show on NBC, on the NBC app, and Michael Richards was a guest star as like oh. a, a heavy. Huh. It was really okay. weird to see. He kind of played like, you know, and I don't, I don't know if he would have stood out if I didn't know who he was. He was kind of a generic, like uh, he, he, he needed to get, he, he, someone owed him money and he was kind of a, a, a big bad of the, the episode. You could see him having that look, but <laughs> yeah, as a comedian, I, I, it's hard to, to imagine him, but I'm sure he did a good job. He, kind of, he was what, kind of a goomba. What's, yeah, what, uh, what's the time uh, date of that? Would that this would have been way? 86, probably, or 76? So 80, 86. Oh, 86. And Seinfeld was in the early 90s, is that right? I think it, or did it start in the late 80s? Yeah, so it was just a little before that then but not that much before that. I, I would think that uh, Richards probably didn't do much else while he was doing Seinfeld. No, he, and he was, he was mostly a comedian. Yeah, I, I, I never, you don't see him too much in other things. So it's surprising, but Miami Vice has a, a lot of surprising guest stars. I'll just, this is completely off topic, but we right. <laughs> didn't have much to say about this minute. Uh, G Gordon Liddy, was a guest star previously. Oh, really? Which I had no idea he had an acting career, but he did after he got out of prison, uh, <laughs> which is uh, not That's great. Bizarre. He definitely yeah. <laughs> didn't deserve uh, that redemption. Um, uh, G. Gordon Liddy, Phil Collins uh, was a guest star um, as a character named Phil, who was a crooked talk show host or a game show host. And he also recorded his own theme song for the game show within the episode. Anyway, oh, okay. I, I really want to do a podcast about Miami Vice, but I don't, I don't have that. I haven't started that yet. So yeah, yeah. we'll wrap it up there um, and we'll see you next time. Uh,
You can find The Best Minute Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site, thebestminutes.com. Social media is available at Butch's Place, The Best Years of Our Lives Listeners Cafe, on Facebook, and on Twitter at The Best Minutes. I should just record this and then just splice it into every episode so I don't have to say it every time. <laughs> uh, oh, well, it's fun. It's part of the whole thing. It keeps it fresh. Uh, and uh, please join us here next time for Minute... 69, uh, and thank you for joining us, Dad Keckley. Oh, good to be here. Hey, Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.